Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Catholic Canuck Podcast on another beautiful day that the Lord has made. Welcome to our listeners, both Catholic and non-Catholic from Canada and all across this beautiful universal church that we belong to. So happy that you joined us. Quote from the Catechism of the Catholic Church to kick this podcast off, reference number 1956. Quote, the natural law present in the heart of each man and established by reason is universal in its precepts and its authority extends to all men. It expresses the dignity of the person and determines the basis for his fundamental rights and duties, end quote. Another fantastic piece of wisdom from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I thought it was fitting for today to talk about natural law, especially from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, stemming, of course, from the Ten Commandments. And uh, Ruben Nava is our guest today. He's from Virgin Most Powerful Radio, a network in the United States based out of the uh, L.A. area that's uh, really the shows are across the United States on many Catholic radio stations. We just don't have that same exposure to Catholic radio up here in Canada. But uh, thank the Lord, the internet uh, works against us so much, doesn't it, uh, when it comes to matters of faith and uh, against our, our Catholic faith especially. But the one thing about the internet and uh, podcasts is that uh, we have access to a lot of great material from all over the world. And Virgin Most Powerful Radio produces several different radio shows. And Ruben is a part of one called Jesus 911. And uh, it is a podcast that he co-hosts with uh, Jesse Romero, Paul Clay, and others. And the main focus of the podcast is spiritual warfare. Probably one of the only ones that, uh, one of very few, that's uh, really dedicated to spiritual warfare. And how important it is for us Catholics to be in the battle and uh, Ruben is a retired police officer. He's got some great stories about uh, working on the front lines of law enforcement and uh, how important it is to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ and um, the vocation of being a, a peacemaker, a police officer. These are, uh, this is such an important vocation. And uh, so Ruben's got some great stories and some great insights too on us uh, growing in our faith and growing in love. With Jesus Christ and uh, just taking that journey together it's a long and narrow road isn't it but we got to take it together and uh, so glad that Ruben joined us here so we're going to be hearing from him in just a minute and I want to remind everyone let's keep praying for peace pray the rosary for peace stand with the innocent people the innocent brothers and sisters that are in our church or even outside of our church wherever they belong in the world we have some regimes that are very oppressive very tyrannical and uh, they come from many countries, not just one or two. And we have our own issues right here in North America with our own government. So continue to pray for peace and uh, be people of action. Take up your spiritual uh, weapons. And that is the rosary that is wearing sacramentals, like uh, wearing a miraculous medal, wearing a scapular, blessing yourself with holy water often. And of course, uh, going to confession often and receiving the Eucharist worthily as often as you can going to Mass. So without further ado, here's Ruben Nava. So excited to share this conversation with you. We'll see you on the other side, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, Ruben Nava is a retired sergeant with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, and he uh, attends the traditional Latin Mass and is a staunch supporter of the perennial teachings of Holy Mother Church. He's also a devoted family man, a husband and father of two, and he has a great passion to bring others, especially fallen away Catholics, to the knowledge of the truth 
And he's also one of the hosts of my favorite podcast called Jesus 911, which you can find on Virgin Most Powerful Radio uh, or anywhere you find your fine podcast. So I'm very excited and blessed to welcome Ruben Nava to the Catholic Connect podcast. Welcome, Ruben. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to our conversation today. Well, that's great. I'm so excited to have you, Ruben. I really am. Uh, not a lot of slow, slow news days in the church anymore, is there, or in the world? So, and I know right. we'll probably touch on a few of those stories. But uh, Ruben, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your journey of faith and how you went from, uh, you know, seeking out the criminals on the streets of LA to seeking out souls for Christ today. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, I was born uh, in uh, a little community uh, in. East Los Angeles. Um, most of that, uh, most people from LA know that as a pretty rough neighborhood. My parents grew up there. They came here from uh, Mexico as children and created a life for themselves. And I was born there. I was the, the fourth of seven children. And, um, you know, my dad got us out of that neighborhood, took us to a little better neighborhood. And uh, by the time I was nine, moved into uh, a community in San Gabriel, which is a nice neighborhood. And, uh, from there, uh, you know, I had a, a very um, Catholic family. It was a cradle Catholic. My mom was a prayer warrior, and uh, she prayed uh, a lot of us really back into the church. And in, in, in since when we, some of us had strayed, so uh, a very close family, big family, a lot of nieces and nephews, and uh, and so I might. Uh, my initial uh, plan was to uh, maybe get into medicine. Um, I wanted to, I went to UCLA to try to get on as a soccer player, as a walk on on the team and made it to the last cut, but uh, it wasn't meant to be at that point. And so, uh, but I kind of got sidetracked and I left school after a year at, at UCLA. And uh, eventually my dad got, you know, he said, Hey, I was working in the health club business. So there wasn't a mirror that I didn't like, David. <laughs> You know, it was a lot of vanity. Uh, in those days, I was I started competing in bodybuilding, and uh, so very much into myself. And um, but my dad uh, said he he was a, a an educator, and he said that this the college police were hiring, um, and it would give you a chance to get back on campus. And so, uh, you know, my dad he's he, I looked at him. Uh, I spent a lot of time with him. He's he's a sage. And um, maybe I'll touch on that later, but how important um, a father figure is in your life. He was my mentor. He still is. And, um, you know, he, he taught me things that uh, that every, every young man should, should learn. You know, just the, your, your word is your, is your bond, you know. Uh, you know, you shake somebody's hand, you look them in the eye, and it, things like that. Um, he would, he, I remember him telling me that you could be whatever you want to be. You put your mind to it. And once you decide what you want to do, you be the, you be the best at it, you know, um, give it your all. And uh, so I, I grew up with those in, in those ideas and, you know, and I, I ended up going back. I ended up becoming a police officer for the college police, but it it, uh, it was just too small for me. I mean, once I, I got in there, I I, I love that. I love learning about the law and. And keeping the community safe so I, I lateraled over to the sheriff's department the largest sheriff's department in the free world and um we have the largest jail system as well um maybe not now because they've let everybody out have half the population out with covid you know i i think it's wow. ridiculous but yeah 
um, so I, I became a, um, an LA deputy sheriff and, um, I went back to work the community that I was born in, in, in East LA. And after I did a couple of years working in uh, our jails, as is, as is the requirement. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. And, um, uh, I worked with a lot of heroes of people that, um, I really look up to that, that were out there doing the Lord's work. And, uh, that's where I met Jesse Romero. And, uh, Jesse and I were, um, he was a little bit ahead of me uh, in terms of uh, arriving at the station, probably by about two or three years. And, uh, and I was just, you know, trying to get, uh, my acceptance, if you would, I was trying to be accepted by the, the, the fellows I worked with, you know, and I, and we worked hard and we had this idea that we were going to play hard as well. So, you know, somewhere along the line, in my twenties, I, uh, became a lukewarm in my faith and uh, was hanging out after work, having beers and just t- telling war stories. And, and uh, I always, you know, tell the, uh, the young deputies that it's not healthy just to have police officers as your friends or sheriffs as your friends. You, you need to have other people speaking into your life. You know, it, it's really easy to, to think that it's us against them. You know, it's, it's us against the world and nobody's going to understand us because because they don't do what we do. And, um, that's not healthy. It's, it's, um, so again, uh, trying to get, uh, trying to, to, to get the respect from my uh, elder, uh, you know, partners out there. And, and I was doing really well and making the name for myself, making great arrests and, um, using, you know, what my dad told me, you know, be the best you can be. I was a student of my profession and, uh, and, uh, we made it like a little game, a little competition. Let's see who can go out there and find the first gun, take the first gun off of somebody, you know, and, and or, or narcotics. And, and that's what we, uh, we did. And we were really, uh, have making an impact that seemed, uh, on the community. And, but, um, deep down inside, I'd see guys like Jesse and they were, uh, you know, they were on fire for their faith. And, um, I saw the respect he was getting, because of the ideals and the values that he stood for. Um, and there was other guys too. And uh, so I, I got into a, um, a relationship. Uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't going to go anywhere, but my, my I was introduced to a holy priest, a priest that was a, a chaplain for the LAPD. So uh, we, we have a little, friendly competition here with the LAPD. So I call them number two in blue and, uh, you know, they think they're the big dogs. And so it's kind of, it's that rivalry kind of much like a USC versus UCLA, like uh, Michigan versus Ohio state, you know? So um, I went to see this priest and, and he was, um, he was a convert from Orthodox Judaism for one. So he was a Marine. He was, you know, he, he, he loved cops because it's, that's what he was doing is, um, but all he did was the Latin mass. And I got started going to mass at his little chapel and, and it was a game changer. Mm. And I was learning things and my, I was getting filled with, uh, with solid Catholic teachings and, and that um, I always I, I, I like to tell people that it's the power of association. You know, if if you um, you hang out with five guys that are just losers, they're 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 not they're going nowhere. You're going to be the sixth. 
you hang with five guys that know what they want, or let's say five people that are on fire for the faith, you're going to be the sixth. It's that, it's that, um, that power of association, the mentorship I was getting. And, um, he took a liking to me and we, we, uh, you know, I stayed with him for, you know, about 20 years and until he is, is, he passed away about five, five years ago, six years ago now. Ruben, what was it about the, the traditional Latin mass that you really appreciated, I guess, or, or that kind of drew you into your faith a little bit more is I find it interesting. I've, I'm, I like to tell people I'm a traditionally minded Novus Ordo going Catholic. Uh, there is a traditional Latin mass community in Edmonton where I'm at, but it's it's generally pretty small. There's not a lot going on, at least in, in Western Canada here. Uh, I do attend a, an ordinariate uh, mass, which which you'd be familiar with, with Terry Barber and, and oh, the yeah. headquarters of Virgin Most Powerful Radio, right? But but uh, the uh, yeah the traditional Latin mass not not quite as big maybe as it is in the United States. So we, yeah, sorry, just go ahead and tell us about uh, that experience, maybe, Ruben. Well, at, coming from a paramilitary background, I like the fact that it was very um, it, 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 precise. The priest, his movements and everything about it was there was no ad libbing. It was. It, it was almost like we were, you know, when we learned in the academy how to march. It, it was, it was like that. You, you, the priest would turn and, and he would very sharp turns and very. Um, and I like the fact that he was facing away from us, so it, it was as if he, we were following the general in the battle. He was leading us. He was at the point of the spear, leading us, and that's something that um, I saw appealing and. and um, I liked uh, this. I, I just loved the holy silence, the reverence that was. I would see there. Even the children that would attend would were quiet. You know, the, it wasn't. Um, you know, the, there wasn't a lot of chaos. And I, I just, I, I, I grew up in the seventies with you know, you know, the, the guitars, masses, and things of that nature. And um, this was just Gregorian chant. It was. Uh, I just thought it was, I felt like I was in heaven. And um, and then to hear, you know, Father's sermons and, and he would challenge us. That was one thing that we, I think is lacking in the church today, David, is that the priests don't want to offend anybody. And uh, it's, it's kind of fluffy Catholicism, you know, uh, they just, they don't want to upset the collection plate perhaps. Um, but he would challenge us about, really important topics you know the, the four last things yeah. mm-hmm. you know death judgment heaven and hell he, right talk about purgatory talk you know talk about doing penance and um and i i, I just i grew i i even uh, sang a little bit in the choir so uh that was nice and <clears throat> so all those uh those those days of singing in the shower paid off you know <laughs> <laughs> No, but there, there the is car. something to be said for that, Ruben, isn't there? I mean, and I and maybe some people don't like the term saying wishy-washy Catholicism, but I just I say it because I know when I become wishy-washy in my faith, and I don't live in a state of grace, and I don't go to confession often, um, then my life turns into chaos. 
So this isn't, uh, you know, a shot directly at people. It's a challenge to people to make sure that you are living in a state of grace, right, Ruben? And right. and we yeah. just don't necessarily have that in our church right now. And there's a lot of reasons we could probably go into a whole other episode or, or have one of the Joe Rogan style podcasts where we could talk about it for four or five hours. But it really is true, though, Ruben, the, the, the challenge in our faith, it's uh, it's so important that our, our priests and our bishops and even just uh, other brothers, other men, just like us, like we challenge each other to grow in holiness because it's uh, it's not an easy road. It's it's going to be the most difficult task we'll ever do is to get to heaven by God's grace, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so back going back to my story, I I you know I started uh, following my faith and living a life of, of virtue. I, I, I attended some uh, retreats, you know, Ignatian retreats. And uh, it, it just, it was a game changer for me. And then people start, started seeing the change in me. And uh, now I wasn't hanging out with the fellas. Um, I, not that I, you know, was opposed to having a beer or, or, or one or two beers, but, uh, but you know, now I had a purpose in my life, you know, and, and what really, came to the forefront, you talked about, you know, talked about sin and going to confession. The, my mortality was at the forefront of my, um, of my life. I could no longer come to work in a state of mortal sin, hmm. lest I take a bullet that day, you know, cause we were always trained that, you know, you have to, con- you have to think that today could be the day that you're going to be tested. Today could be the day that you're going to have to, you know, take somebody, take somebody's life, in, in, you know, so you can save your own or your partner's life. And so that was always there. Um, but I didn't want to lose my whole self, my salvation because I, you know, I kept, fell into sin. I fell into to vice, you know, and um, so I would, and I became a devotee in the Brown scapular. And I would tell people, I, I will, I would, I wouldn't go out without, with, go to into work go out on the field without without my brown scapular i'd rather go out without my bulletproof kevlar vest hmm. before i go out without my scapular because the promises our lady gives us you know you know they can kill the body but they can't kill the soul and people wouldn't understand that but i started passing out scapulars to my i had a lot of hispanic working yeah i there was a lot of uh catholics there some la- lapsed catholics and stuff but um because the last 50 years, David, as you well know, it, it's the catechesis in, in, the, in the church has been horrendous. And uh, with all the changes that went on and um, they're just, the people just don't know their faith. If, if they're not making, uh, they're not in, going after it and looking into their faith and learning it. It's, it's, it's cer- certainly, they're not going to learn it. They're just going to mass once a week. Mm in the in the you know the average parish yeah so uh yeah started uh, becoming just really um consistent with my my faith walk and you know devotionals stopping into churches praying uh you know going to adoration and uh just um trying to unplug from the noise and uh and then uh my my uh my, our Lord, you know, I had a, uh, I was married at 21. I went through a, a, a divorce at eight years later because of, uh, you know, spending so much time at work. Not not only, you know, uh, with my, the, the friends, but also because 
we would get called in to work overtime and and sometimes get we called drafted they would we wouldn't have a choice you know you've got to work for short and and that was uh that takes a toll on your family and uh maybe i wasn't there to uh to, to whisper sweet nothings in her ear and and so she started hearing it from somebody else and uh i i'm not i don't want men here to badmouth her you know um we're still on, on we're on good terms and um two children came out of beautiful children but uh you know, she wasn't a Catholic. And going back to my upbringing, my mom would say, Ruben, you really need to marry a Catholic. And, you know, not being um, a high information Catholic at the time, I said, Mom, one Christian group is as good as the next, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got married in the church and we were raising our kids Catholic. But uh, it's, and, and as it turns out, um, the priest that I was talking about, he, you know, he was a, um, a canon lawyer as well so he worked he had done prior work in the uh archdiocese of orange and he had um he was working in the tribunals working on annulments and so he he helped me with it so i because now i came into the faith and i looked into annulments and i in america the united states hands out more annulments than the whole world put together you know and so i said i didn't want to have some fake piece of paper right because my salvation was rested on it hmm. and uh so nine years later uh you know i was able to um get it done and i i married my wife uh she's also in law enforcement she's still uh employed she's off right now on an injury and going to retire this year but um yeah, the two of us, and she, you know, she came back into the faith. She was born baptized Catholic, but never raised Catholic, and and uh, so through uh, you know apologetics and through prayer, the green scapular, um, you know, and, and she started uh, going with me to Father Melitos and uh, you know the chapel, and um, it was it was beautiful, and uh, just. We have a, a a good, healthy marriage, and we, you know, we, we pray together. And, you know, she's right now, as a matter of fact, you know, she's every morning she's reading her scriptures and her devotionals and stuff. So that's what she's doing right now. So I, I've been blessed, um, David, and I know that um, some of the friends I, I got teased, um, no doubt. People, oh, here comes Father Reuben, you know, or they would make jokes about, uh, hey. Hey, watch what you're saying. Watch your language. You know, Ruben's coming. And uh, but I started going to, I, I started you know praying in front of them. Oh, we would. One of the things that that some of the jobs that I had, and I'll just I'll mention it to you for your audience. And, um, I worked six years in 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 what we call the gang unit. Um, we have one of the highest gang populations in LA County. So. Um, did that for six years. And, you know, that was probably the, the best job I ever had because it, it really felt like I was making a difference. I was being called out on murders and I, I've seen more, you know, more grisly scenes, more death and um, just, just the chaos that, that comes from all that, the, the gang violence in LA County. I, I've been to uh, more, you know, murder scenes than I care to, you know, admit. And, I think without my faith, I could have really, I could have gotten, you know, um, just 
not not caring. Well, if they don't care about themselves, you know, why should we care about them? And a lot of times, which which is frustrating here, is that there's that uh, that idea that you can't squeal, you can't snitch, you can't tell uh, and talk to the cops. You know, it could be a death sentence for them as a gang member. So, um, you know, you talk to people, and, and let's say uh, a guy's bro- talking to somebody, and his brother just got shot, and he had, he doesn't want to provide information as to who the culprits were, who the suspects were. And I just found that mind-boggling. Um, and so it's, you know, having to build up that trust with them so that they will talk to you. And and I, I thought I did a, a pretty good job of that. And people would call me because they they saw that the way I carried myself and I, I would get information from them, you know, when nobody was around, nobody was looking or, or they called me on the phone. And, um, but that was... I didn't. I, I did see some people that would would become other other law enforcement officers that would become hardened by what they saw because uh, it was you, you. You tend to think that boy, this is all we're dealing with. You know, you sometimes forget that ninety percent, ninety five percent of the population are good good people. You, it's just that you know five percent, five to ten percent that you're dealing with over and over again. And um, you have to be able to pull back and, and see the good in people and, uh, you know, have this attitude of gratitude. And um, so, yeah, my life changed. And I did six years in the gang unit, promoted a, to a sergeant, um, as you mentioned. Um, I worked, um, I went back to East L.A. as a sergeant. And East L.A., uh, again, I, I liked the, the fast station. I liked that it was busy and it was and to be able to teach the young people, uh, the young deputies coming up. And then I worked on narcotics for eight years. And um, so the point I was going to make is that we went through a lot of doors. We served a lot. I served a lot of warrants over my whole career. I probably, I was trying to estimate, and it was probably about 400 warrants, parole, probation searches, going through doors, um, you never know what's on the other side of the door. So, um, you know, my guys would see me praying, saying, you know, as we're rolling to the location, you know, to hit this this house, drug uh, narcotics, uh, where they're selling drugs and doing nefarious activity. And they'd see me praying and, and they're in the back of the van and, and hey, be quiet. I had guys, hey, be quiet. Sergeant's praying, you know. And um, when I... I I had good relationships with all my guys. And one guy was a Mormon and, um, and he was, uh, he would, he would brag that I did my mission, my Mormon mission in Rome. And I was a high achiever, you know, I was overachiever. He goes, I converted five of your people. Mm. I said, Hey, you know, that just means more time in purgatory for you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he would say, Hey, Sarge, pray for me. And I said, of course, I'm going to pray for you because, you know, come on, knucklehead. If you, if you get hurt, we're probably all going to get hurt, you know? So of course, um, but they, uh, and then I had, you know, friends that would say, hey, I never had anybody pray for us hmm. before we, you know, did these warrants and, uh, thank you for it. And, uh, and just, I, t- I would pray every day, David, that Lord, bring me somebody that, uh, I could talk to about you, especially fallen away Catholics. 
And invariably, people would come in across my path that needed to be uplifted or had fallen away, you know, you know, suffered a tragedy. Uh, and just to be able to, um, to give them, you know, some hope and, 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 and point them in the right direction. And that was, you know, coworkers and, and uh, people, suspects that I um, was arresting, you know, I, I can, uh, I don't know if uh, you, your listeners want to hear any war stor- stories, but uh, I'll tell you one that, uh, <laughs> one story that um, I remember we were looking for uh, a guy that was, was according to our informants, his brother had been murdered <clears throat> and they were both shot callers for, for their gang. Also their cousin, their cousin who grew up with them, got into law enforcement and was one of my worked with me. And uh, so he had, he, he happened to roll up on, on his, his own cousin's murder. So they took, they took the, the, he took the high road, became a, a deputy sheriff and they took the low road and became, you know, um, gang members for a very violent gang. And, and then found themselves as kind of running shot, run, calling the shots for them. But anyway, this the one brother who survived was saying that he was going to avenge his brother's death. And so we had to find him because he had a, a assault rifle, according to our informants. Uh, again, that's, that's the, um, the nice thing about having created this credibility in the, in the community where people could trust you. So got information where he was staying, got the SWAT team involved. We ended up uh, going to, it was a, a location outside of um, LA no, it was still Alley County, but on the outskirts. But I uh, was in an art, the neighborhood, the station that I worked at. So we, uh, this the SWAT team goes in there, gets them. They find the, the assault rifle in the rafters, bring them out. And it's just him and I, David. And um, he's, you know, he's a hardcore gang member. You know, he's done prison times, had a number of tattoos all over his body. And, uh, and then, the, you know, he's thinking I'm just going to come out and then ask the typical things. Okay. You know, give me all your information for the booking slip. Cause I'm filling out the booking slip because we're going to take him to, to jail. It was my case. And uh, I just said, Hey, I want, you know, I'm not going to mention his name, but I just said, you know, I just want to tell you how sorry I am for the loss of, of your brother. And, uh, and I just said, you know, he didn't deserve to die like that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm friends with your cousin. I told him, you know, who, you know, obviously he knew and knows his cousin worked, worked there, but to let him know, Hey, we're good friends. And, uh, you know, he's hurting just like you are. And, uh, and, and I just, I, I just brought in the blessed mother. I said, you know, uh, our lady, I, I, I know that you're Catholic, you know, cause I had been to his house. I, we had searched his house prior looking for him and, and I saw a Catholic, uh, crucifixes. So I, I know you're Catholic, man. And uh, I said, our lady can help you. She knows what it's like to lose a family member. You know, didn't deserve to die. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I look at this guy. He was hardened by, by you know, his uh, his life. But he was just in tears like a baby, you know, just wow. crying in the back seat. Hmm. And, um, you know, my, my heart went out to him. And, uh, and then uh, eventually... People started coming. I said, hey, you got to get yourself together because, you know, it's not macho. It's not, you know, you don't want to show 
weakness and they don't, especially the crying in front of people. And uh, so I got him, let him get himself together. And uh, then we took him to the station and, you know, and got on with it. And, but I did tell him this, I said, you know what, the, your brother wouldn't want you to, to avenge his, his, his death. Your brother would want you to turn your life around. Hmm. Okay. You're, the, the best thing you can do for your brother is to become the person you're called to be, you know, in God's eyes. And, uh, and, and you know, get out of this lifestyle, get out of this. There's no future in this, you know? Um, and so um, a couple of months down the road, I get notified from uh, our intelligence in downtown and in, in the jails that um, they said that he got jumped out of the gang. That they sent me a picture of him, his face all beat up because there's a there's an old saying, "Blood in, blood out." In the gang life, you you get beat up to get in the gang. They want to see what you can take, and then to to get out, you have to get jumped out or courted out, and. And that's exactly what happened to him. He got out. So I don't know if it was a result of my conversation with him, but, um, you know, or my prayers for him. But nevertheless, and I don't know where he is today, but um, I just thought, you know, thank you, Lord. You know, when I when I got that affirmation, I just saw that as, as our Lord just giving me, um, you know, just that affirmation that, that I was doing a good work and, it inspired me to do other things too. Yeah, that's so inspiring. That's a great story. Um, when police officers, when they get into law enforcement, whether that's a, a young man, young young woman, when they get into into uh, into the police force, what do you think the the motives are? I guess for for getting in, and how does how does your mindset change when you start to see, like you said, you come on some some real grisly scenes, you deal with some. Um, some certainly some real nefarious individuals um you know it may kind of paint a picture for our listeners of what that looks like when you start and then as you as you kind of proceed in your career sort of what happens to your your mentality almost well a lot of us come from a, a, a athletic background you know i played soccer at a high level i uh, like i said i was bodybuilding i played some baseball growing up and we're competitive um and we're eight personalities. Um, a lot of us go in wanting to change the world, wanting to, you know, affect change in the community and help. Uh, a lot of us don't like bullies. And so we, uh, we want to stand up for the, the people that are being um, picked on and, and persecuted and um, to stand up for the little guy. And, and so that's, when I got involved in, in law enforcement, it was it was just that I, I wanted to make a difference, you know, and and clean up the streets and, and make it a safer place for our children to grow up. And sometimes, uh, you know, people lose sight of that. They forget their why, why they joined up, you know, and become cynical. And, uh, um, I, you know, I would say there were there were a lot there were a few people that I didn't care to work with. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I love my coworkers and my brothers and we would, you know, we had a, we knew that when we go out, we would take a bullet for each other. We, we had each other's back or we would say, well, I have your six. And, um, and, and, you know, 
there's a saying on Virgin Most Powerful uh, when Jesus 911 uh, that I learned, and I say it on the radio, I learned it in, in police work. I had a, a very good sergeant that came from uh, 14 years in the SWAT team, or, you know, as we call it, SCB, Special Enforcement Bureau. And uh, he was always training with us. He was always teaching us things. And one thing he, he would say is that if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And he goes, that means you have to be, you have to be in shape. You have to, you know, condition your body, condition your mind. You have to uh, be, um, you know, on point with your, with your tactics. Your equipment has to be checked daily. You got to make sure your magazines are stocked up. You know, you have backup available. Your gun is oiled and lubed, you know, and clean. And um, it, so it's all those things you think about. You don't want to have to, you know, you, you get called to, you know, get in a gunfight and realize that your gun is is an oil and it jams up and, you know, when you need it the most. And it made a lot of sense. So, so uh, we would... Um, we would train like that. And the more we trained, the more proficient we became. And it was a mindset is shifting, you know, to, um, to being leaders. And then when I got it back in really deep into my faith, I said, that same, those same principles could apply because if it, you can't, you can't be in mortal sin, you know? And if you, uh, if you, you get called, you know, you're, you're getting called by our Lord for the, you know, for your exit interview, you want to make sure that you're, you're not saying, Hey, wait a second. I still have to go to confession. You know, you stay ready. You stay prayed up. Or like I say, you just stay churched up and, and you, you're not going to have to go to confession because you've already done that. You've already, you came prepared. Um, you know, like the, you know, the parable or the, or the bridegroom, you know, the, 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 the 10 virgins are out there five have oil in their lamps and the other five don't. And so they, those, those five that weren't prepared, they were put on the outskirts when the, when the, the groom came and that was our Lord. And so that made a whole difference. And, and so I, I, that saying stuck with me and I just happened to, to say it uh, on the radio uh, one day and, and it kind of stuck and I made t-shirts out of it. And, I, I love that. That's one of the, that's one of my favorite sayings from you, Ruben. I'm really glad that you brought it up and where the the background was for that. But it really is true. And you know the thing about those uh, the the women with the lamps. Uh, you know, I always got the impression that the ones the five that didn't have enough oil, they were actually still in the game. They were faithful. They recognized the groom was coming. Yeah. So that should be a real warning sign to us as Catholics. These people weren't you know, pagans or atheists or completely away from the church, they actually recognized that there was a, a groom coming. They recognized that Christ was coming and all of a sudden they didn't have any oil. And even the ones that did, they say, Hey, you can go to the, you know, a merchant and go buy some or whatever. If you, you know, right. there's a possibility you can go get it. You know, so like there was that, that understanding that they were a part of the family, but they weren't ready to go when the Lord was calling them. And I think that's, that's, I know for myself, it's very sobering. That we can live our lives uh, and be faithful, but if we're not always ready, always thinking about those four last things that you brought up earlier too, Ruben, um, that uh, that that a great life could be for naught if we're not prepared to right. to to encounter Christ right at the end, right? Um, right. That's a great. I love that. Yes, yeah, so you don't have to get ready, and we can apply that to every area of our lives, especially our yeah. spiritual lives, but also if um, you know when it comes to sports or even our even our. our 
our employment too, our jobs. Um, I wanted to, to ask you about, uh, and, and I'm really glad you're talking about, uh, you know, this vocation of, of being in law enforcement. That's what I, I wanted to, to uh, share with our listeners and, um, your examples, Ruben, are, are, are so uh, just fantastic. Um, when you, you, were you, uh, working in LA when they had the, the big riots in the, was that, I guess the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, you've seen a lot of yes. crazy stuff on the streets, right? Very violent, uh, reactions to, um, all kinds of different issues. Um, yes. we recently had this convoy for freedom in Canada and, um, we had, uh, in Ottawa and, you know, people that were unarmed, peaceful protesters, and then you see police officers showing up in, in riot gear and, um, you know, full shields, uh, masks, uh, artillery, you know, these tank-like looking armored vehicles kicking around. And, uh, boy, it sure, uh, I know for myself, it was very disturbing for me to see such a heavy-handed approach to enforcement. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Because, like I said, you've really seen, you've probably been in the middle of some uh, some real crazy scenes around LA, right? So, yeah, what were your thoughts on what you saw? Okay, um, and and just just uh, just back up just a, a little bit. What when you had asked me about um, about seeing all these these uh, these you know murder scenes, suicide scenes, you know, gang shootings, rape robberies. All those things that that I would experience, um, it could it 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 could have had a a really bad toll on me, but uh, and I could have thrown up my hands easily easily and just you know quit <clears throat> and quit trying to help the communities I served. But um, I remember there was a a, a quote from uh, Saint Padre Pio, and I took it to heart, and and it could also apply to what you, your question you just asked. And it read it said um, the good saint said. Don't allow the sad sight of human injustice to sadden your soul. Someday you will see the unfailing justice of God triumph over it. So, you know, we're not, we may not see justice in this world, but, uh, you know, our Lord who is justice, you know, and mercy and justice, you know, he's going to, uh, he will have the final say. So when I saw those <coughs> police officers uh, doing what uh, we would have been prosecuted for over here, um, they, it just it struck me as like um, we're supposed to be standing up for righteousness and justice, and you know, um, and for I couldn't be involved in something that because um, I thought that that thought although the truckers, you know, obviously they were blocking the streets and they could you could make a a, a case that it was you know. They were parked illegally, so it was. It, it was it's in our in our country. I don't know what Canada's laws, but it would be an infraction. We have felonies, misdemeanors, and infractions. Infractions are the lowest, and um, and so, I, and then I guess you, we you could probably make a case that they were disobeying the uh, uh, command to to leave. And um, so maybe upgraded to a misdemeanor, but you you can't use force. You have to use proportionate force. You can, you you have to um, you you can't be beating somebody who's not resisting. You know if if they're attacking you, they're coming at. That's one thing, but um, to do something like that, it was it left a bad taste in my mouth. And there's not um, 
no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. You know, uh, just when we had, you talked about the riots, we had, you know, just the, what was in 2020 now, uh, the, the George Floyd uh, right. yeah. uh, death. And, and we've talked about it on our show and uh, it, it looked bad. It was optic, you know, the optics were horrible for the, uh, the, the officer to have his, his, his neck I mean, has knee on on what seemed like his neck. As it turns out, during the court uh, trial, they saw that it was his upper back. And uh, but still, you know, when he would, people were saying, "Hey, he can't breathe," the the right thing to do, what have, the humane thing to do, was to be able to get him up and and make sure that he is okay, you know, medically. And so when I saw these these people in Canada, the police officers in Canada, following who. And, and we we talked off off air here. Uh, this this tyrant in your um, prime minister in Trudeau, and you're following uh, orders. And Saint Thomas, says, you know, he says that an unjust law is no law at all. You know, and so I I just equated it to a time when they were asking us to clear out these. This is, it was an abortion clinic in uh, one of the neighborhoods I worked, and they wanted us to clear them out, and those people that were standing their ground weren't going to resist. They were going to, it was going to be um, passive resistance. And I, I just told my Sergeant, I can't, I can't have any part of this because I could easily be standing with them in there. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, I just, I said, look, I'm going to trade assignments. I'll go handle calls and let somebody else who wants to do this. do that. And, and I, I excused myself. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to be, uh, you know, not follow a direct order. So I just chose to not take part in that because mm-hmm. it was against my better sense, better, you know, my best, better judgment. And, and that's what I, I would think these guys would do, you know, is to not, uh, not go along with these, uh, th- these people that are, are trying to change the world, this, this new world order that they're, they're pushing on us. Mm-hmm. I, I just um, I found it disheartening to say the least, and it it just left a bad taste in 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 a lot of people's mouths about um, what law enforcement has become. Uh, don't get me wrong, you know, when 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 it's when we saw like going back to the the riots that we saw in our country, BLM and uh, Antifa, that was some. You didn't hear the left, you know, trying to suppress that. They were encouraging it. In fact, they were bailing some of politicians and celebrities were bailing out some of these antifa people when they they get arrested you know so incredible and i don't know if you knew this ruben but even our uh, our apostate catholic uh, prime prime minister justin trudeau he actually went and took a knee uh last summer for for blm uh publicly i you know i, I don't i don't know i you know, not to make fun of the guy too much, but I don't know if he's intelligent enough to really know the all the ins and outs of these different movements. He sure certainly made sure there was a lot of cameras on him when he actually did take that knee. Uh, yeah. But the the point was that he actually went into the crowd to do this, and whether I don't know if he had any direct communication with whoever was organizing it in Ottawa or not. But I think that the uh, but there was communication by him just being there, right? And yeah. uh, and maybe there's uh, there's something to be said for you know how you communicated with. Uh, with uh, you know the 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 gang member that you mentioned earlier, and um, you know that's these, the convoy is certainly there's no gang members there. These are people that are, have been unjustly treated, and are, you know it's an unjust law. Uh, basically, what they're protesting is that uh, 
um, you know, they can't get across the border without uh, without the jab. Yeah. And, right. you know, we've, the science has already been settled with some of these politicians, apparently, but the, the real science is saying something something totally different. So, you know, there's something to be said for communication, isn't there, Ruben, just for whether that's the prime minister or even the local police to to come and, and have a conversation with them because that was what the ask was, was just for a communication, a sit down, a meeting. This is, Absolutely. they're saying, this is, what we're, this is what we're protesting. This is what we'd like to talk to you about. We'd like to see change. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Antifa and BLM. There was nothing like that. There was a lot of, uh, from what we saw here, a lot of rioting and a lot of looting and a lot of, uh, businesses being either you know burnt down or being robbed um but a lot of sympathy for them so yeah what's up with that what what are your thoughts well you know i my i read that 90 percent of the truckers were vaccinated so they were you know they were standing up for for the the rest of society who are being um maligned and and um including police officers too, because there have been mandates on various police forces across Canada. And we have had uh, law enforcement and officers lose their job over these unjust mandates too, Ruben. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and Trudeau, that, that's a sign of a, of a weak leader. Um, I know he's, uh, you know, I, I've read that he's, you know, he's taking his marching orders from, or I think it was George Soros that said he's, he's, calling the shots for Trudeau. Um, it was a, the I, World I, Economic Forum. We've seen that saw, too, that infiltration yeah. with uh, one Klaus Schwab. And again, you know, people talk about this being a conspiracy theory. It's not. It's not a conspiracy theory. So the more that I hear people say that it is, the more you've, you've got to put your listening ears on. You've got to see what's right in front of you. You know, these are real problems. This is a real infiltration. And, uh, you know, George Soros, you mentioned him. We mentioned the, the, the World Economic Forum. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's sad, Ruben, is what we're not, not seeing a lot of pushback from our church uh, and no. leadership. But, uh, boy, if one thing that this, is whole, this whole last several years has taught me is that there's a lot of people of goodwill out there, Ruben, that stand with us, don't they? And I think that they're looking yeah. to the church for leadership. And then when they see it's not coming, they see, you know, rank-and-file Catholics like you and I trying yeah. to fight and try to defend the truth and try to be uh, the watchman as, as you and Jesse talk about sometimes being watchmen and, and warning people of the, not only the, the physical danger, but also the spiritual danger of what we're seeing. Um, it's really taught me a lot about, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, that God shaped hole they say in, in everybody, you know, that, that, um, that thirst for the charity, but the justice that, that God gives in our hearts. And we're seeing, um, Allies that I, I never would have thought would be our allies, but we're certainly standing shoulder to shoulder with people. Yeah, like that. I'm very surprised that we will, we, we are standing beside. So, all right. Uh, you have a, a Protestant pastor whose name escapes me right now. Um, Jesse mentioned his name on yeah. the air the other uh, day. Arter uh, Pulowski from Calgary. Yes. Is that who you're mentioning? Yeah. I think so. Right. He, yep. he, yeah, he's been arrested num- numerous times because he's Has standing been. up for what he believes in. And uh, I just think that. Uh, our, our law enforcement officers, just like the rest of us, we need to um, get back to, you know, the, the virtues, you know, the capital virtues like prudence, being able to know uh, good from bad, you know, distinguish the, um, what, uh, what's good and bad and, and, or good and evil, you know, and, and to be able to take the right steps, do the, the appropriate thing, use the appropriate measures to, to get compliance and, um, 
And just also, you mentioned justice, you know, that's, that's one of the, it's, you know, as the second cardinal virtue, we, it just, it deals with um, the, what, uh, that justice, it demands what, um, we give everyone exactly what they're due, right? And um, requires that, you know, the officers, you know, they have, they, be, they have to be accountable for their actions. And, and, and if they uh, step out of line, then they, then they need to be, um, you know, reprimanded or, you know, or so uh, we saw that in our riots over here and uh, you know one of the things I, I it, it has to be very difficult for people we talked about Antifa and BLM were in their face and they were holding the line with their shields or or you know they have their helmets on and, and they have the shield down and people are yelling and spitting at them and and it takes meekness to be able to, to not lash out and not, uh, you know, not um, uh, apply the same, uh, you know, anger to them because it's only going to make matters worse. Obviously, if they strike you, that's a whole different subject. You know, uh, I, I, spitting on somebody is is disgusting and it's it's a, a battery, you know, on the books in our in our um state in our uh, country over here so that's not acceptable <laughs> and then uh, the other uh, another virtue that the police officers need they need that fortitude they need that courage you know to that sense that that allows them to overcome their fears and uh, continue in their christian uh, tasks and you know the uh, the apostles they they didn't know that in the beginning and then, you know remember after after pentecost they they were they were given tremendous amount of uh, fortitude to go forward and preach the word and and then uh, the other thing is we need to have temperance you know restraint in and think doing things in moderation you know, whether it comes you know food sex pleasure drinks uh, those things you have to uh, be temperate temperate in your in and even going back to my days when I was you know uh, competing in bodybuilding. You know, I had to, I had to pass a dessert. I had to, you know, stay on a regimen of, of, of a diet. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, you learn these things and, and it only comes from practice, you know, David, uh, it's, what does it say? Like it takes 21 days to become a habit. So, you know, you just practice that it's this, our faith is, is, is this is not like, uh, you know, magic. This is, we have everything we've been given to us in the church, the priesthood, you know, the sacraments, especially, you know, the blessed sacrament. We have, you know, uh, sacramentals. We have all these things that our church has given to us. Um, we have the lives of the saints that we can look to our older brothers and sisters to, to see the virtues they had and to um, follow in their example. And, um, but we have to we have to put it into action. You know, I, every morning when I wake up, the first thing out of my mouth is, Lord, help me to get up from this bed of sleep to adore my God and to labor for the salvation of my soul. The key word there being labor, it's an action word. It's a verb, right? I have to um, do something. And, um, you know, then I make my morning offering. And uh, But it, it, it's, it requires us to go out there and do something. If you're not going forward in your faith, you're going backwards. There's no treading water. There's no standing still. You're going going forward. You're going backwards. And uh, you know, and uh, to ask God for more faith. You know, your faith is it's 
the assurance of things hoped for, but the conviction of things not seen. And, you know, even, uh, even scripture tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to uh, pray for greater faith, you know, and, and Lord, I love you, but, you know, uh, help me to love you even more. And that's one of the things that, that, uh, that I say, in conf- I, I confess, if, you know, and uh, I, you know, I say, Lord, I, uh, Father, I have, um, I haven't loved God with all my heart, all my soul and all my strength, you know, um, because when we choose to do wrong and we choose, we choose to do, um, commit sin, obviously we're, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So the, the opposite is true. You know, if you don't, if you are not keeping the commandments, you're not loving God. So, um, and just getting to know him better, right. Uh, it's important for you to have a, uh, to, to, to include study in your um, in your faith journey, you don't have to continue to try to improve yourself, learn more about your faith, um, because that saying, you know, Saint Thomas um, said, I love this saying from him. It's he says, you cannot love what you do not know, and you can only love what you do know to the extent that you know it. So when I think back on my you know about my wife, I I couldn't love her. Uh, like I do today, if I didn't get to know her, you know, and, uh, it's really important to, to have that. I believe a devotion to our lady. She's, she's going to help you navigate and, and get through and, and find your way to, to Christ. And she's the, she's the neck Christ of the head and all the graces come through her. And I, I, I love talking about my, you know, my spiritual mother and, I have, uh, I'm dialoguing right now with other following Catholics that I used to work with that are, you know, and it's, it's not hard for that to see where they, they went astray because of our poor leadership in our church. And all they do is they point to exhibit number one is look what the Holy Father is saying. And I, I get it, you know, but um, I had to tell them that, you know, we, it's, it doesn't matter what the, the, the church, if one priest, what one priest, one bishop, one cardinal, even the, the Pope, God forbid himself, is to say something. It's what the church has always said. Wouldn't you agree, David? It's a, the perennial teachings of the church. And you look at uh, the, 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 the dogmas cannot change. You know, the, 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 um, the, the, uh, the last disciple, at the end of the death of the last disciple, that was the end of new revelation. There's no new, new revelation. So we're the church we, of the objective, aren't we? The objective truth, not the subjective truth. Exactly. And it seems like yeah. we still have this, these forces in our church that want to make this some, somehow subjective when it doesn't change. Yeah, people, yeah. They want to be, become their own pope. They want yeah. to decide, oh, you know, uh, because they, they obviously, they, you, you follow that, that man in, in, uh, in Rome. And I said, well, who do you follow? I don't believe, certainly don't belong to the old church like that. And uh, so they're, they become their own, you know, magisterium. They decide what they want to believe in, in, uh, in the gospels, right? Not, uh, and not what the, not an authoritative uh, church like we have. And, uh, you know, to, you point out, to point out some that the, the church hasn't ruled authoritatively, you know, ex Catholic, you know, from the chair of Peter, and only just um, just a handful of times. It's not like, you know, he's, he's sitting up there and he's saying, "You must believe this. You must believe that." Uh, it's not. It's not the way our churches run. But anyway, hundred yeah, uh, percent. You know, right. I, what would you say to to Catholics that uh, 
that that feel that they've been let down by by leadership i i know this isn't something that a lot of people like to talk about especially in our church and uh but you know we've um there's a lot of things that we could do you mentioned uh, on one of your previous shows here, very recent shows here on Jesus 911, I believe, and it was, uh, you know, if the bishops and, and, the, and of course, laity too, but if the bishops and our leadership said, we want to end abortion, this is done. We did processions in the streets, yeah. Eucharistic adoration. We, we really put our, our, our minds and our souls <laughs> into, mm-hmm. into real action. Abortion would be gone very quickly. If we look at something even something as temporal as these restrictions that we're seeing, you know, if if the church, all the church would have had to say, Reuben, and correct me if I'm wrong, but all they had to say is not saying that, um, you know, taking this this job is an act of love or it's something you need to do to love your neighbor. All they had to do is say, if you want to take it, take it. Okay, well, that, that's what you want to do. OK, I mean, we're you know, it's this is freedom, right? This is this is the church, but your freedom of conscience that is a, a great gift that we all have. And if you feel you do the, the research and you feel like you don't need to take this, you don't need to take it. Nobody in the world Absolutely. needs to take it. This right. would have been over a long time. We wouldn't even be having a conversation like this. Yeah. It would have been over. That is the, the, the church has that much power and that much right. influence still. But I, I almost say that it's almost to the point where this, this part is just being abused, you know, and, and we're not, we're not standing up for the people the way we should be. And that leaves folks like us to go back to, they said, the perennial teachings of the church. What does it say about freedom of conscience? What does it say about other prudential issues, right? And, and right. bringing them to the to the public square. But we get so much opposition because we're not necessarily getting the same uh, backup from leadership. I hate to say it, but maybe I'll use a, a police term, but they don't necessarily have our six. Does that make sense, Ruben? Yeah, right. One hundred percent. And so you you just you point out that, uh, you know, Jesus selected hand selected the 12 apostles and one of them betrayed him. And one of them, uh, you know, Judas, um, no, Judas betrayed him and, and, and St. Peter denied him. So um, he was giving us he's telling us that there's going to be future, you know, bishops that are going to do the same, you know, and uh, it was, you know, obviously. St. Peter repented and, and Judas didn't. So that was the difference. But um, so when we see, people, you know, our shepherds run astray, you know, that it's, it was there from the beginning and uh, our Lord, Lord knew that it was going to, going to happen. So we have to just, we have to pray for them even more. Uh, yeah. Just it, it's, it's tough to hear some of the things that come out of our Holy Father's uh, mouth. I'll be honest with you. And, uh, but we have to know, that's why we have to become uh, knowledgeable Catholics. We have to know our faith. Um, I, I used to, uh, I used, I, I would say that police officers have a sixth sense when we approach a car and mind you, I wasn't stopping, you know, Joe, average citizen, we were looking for, you know, criminals. So the, our stops were all based on that geared up to that. And so, we would approach a car then when the hairs on the back of our neck would stand up because we noticed something hinky or some furtive movement in the car. You have to recognize that, you know, those, those officers that don't, they're in for, they could get in trouble. They could, uh, they could get hurt and get their partners hurt. But same thing with our faith that we have to, um, 
when we hear something that's not Catholic, you know, your sense has to say, oh no, this, this is something, there's something wrong with it. I, you know, I could listen to a Protestant um, sermon and, and I said, oh, what he just said right there wasn't Catholic, you know, it sticks out like a sore thumb, you know? And so when you hear our bishops and our priests, you know, say some of these things that they're saying, you say, no, you know, my sense of the faith is that it's, that's, that's not in line with what I believe and what the church has always taught. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna follow it. And besides you, if, if something is, um, you, you believe something to be uh, uh, sinful and you, uh, even if it isn't sinful and you do it anyway, it's still a sin, you know? So I'm not going to have anything to do with something that's tainted with uh, abortion, anything at all. So I, you know, I have to, you know, kindly say no to it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. And unfortunately I'm retired now. And actually this month, it's four years that I've been retired. It's gone by very quick. So um, I think, you know, again, we have to become, we have to be looking to still evangelize people. Um, you know, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, you know, he used to say that if you're not saving souls for Christ, you're not living. So you, you have to, you know, you can't, you gotta, you can't take this half-hearted approach and just, you know, be sitting on the, on the fence. You have to be all in for Jesus and you know, Jesus said that I'd rather you be luke, uh, either hot or cold because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. So this, could, you know, Catholicism is not a spectator sport. We need to be in the fight and we need to get out there and, and bring people to, to, um, to the truth and be to the faith. Um, last year, maybe, yeah, yeah, last year, I think I did a, a, a talk that was, I borrowed this, this title, but it, it just kind of says it all. It says, rise up Catholics, the the age of Catholic uh, casual Catholicism is over. The age of heroic Catholicism has begun. No longer we sit back and, and just say, "Oh, the priests and the nuns they know the faith. They'll just if I need any questions, I'll I'll ask them." No, it does. It's, it's it's you know we're no longer living in that world. So we've got to get out there and be, become part of the resistance, resisting you know the the world. You know, and the devil, on our you know our lower nature, we have to do things to to better ourselves and better our families and lead our, our families to, to Christ. And I think it all starts there. Time is flying, Ruben. I knew it yeah. would, and I, I really appreciate your time. I, I really hope that you can come and join us again uh, up here in Canada. Sure. But I do want to talk about my favorite podcast. And um, Jesus 911 through Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I also listen to oh, pretty much every show that's on there. But tell us about, uh, about this uh, particular show. Uh, in Canada, we don't get uh, Catholic radio the way that uh, our brothers and sisters in the United States do. So I know that you're available on some other platforms down there. So that's why I mentioned it as a podcast, because that's all we have up here for availability. And, and of course, going through the, the website too. But tell us a little bit about this uh, I guess this piece of the chapter in your life and your spiritual life as well, and how you got involved with, with Jesse Romero and Terry Barber and Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Yeah, um, I'd be glad to. So um, Jesse was at my retirement party and it was well attended. I was blessed um, that so many people came out to it. And uh, one after another, people would get up and, and say a few words about me and, and, invariably it was about my faith 
you know, it wasn't about the great arrest that I made, uh, you know, leading teams into battle. It was, it was, Hey, the time that he prayed for me or prayed with me, or, you know, I saw the way he carried himself things, you know, so uh, Jesse gave the invocation of my um, retirement and, uh, and then he, you know, he had just started uh, Virgin Most Powerful with Terry. And then uh, down the road, he, I was in adoration um, actually and I was saying, Lord, I'm, I'm retired now. Um, you know, what would you have me do? I have more time now. Um, and then I, I got the distinct impression that he was calling me to, um, to get in front of more people. And I was doing some talks at, uh, at these uh, local Curcios. Uh, it's a, a, the Curcio, I don't know if they have them in Canada. We but, do, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, I was doing some talks there and um working on the weekends with them, um, during, uh, different retreats. But so I just called up Jesse and I said, Hey, Jesse, what, next time you and Terry put a conference on, maybe consider me doing a talk. Um, you know, I think the Lord's asked me to do more. So then he calls me up the next day and says, you know, Terry's not going to be on the show tomorrow. Do you want to be on? And I said, sure. I'd love to. So we just, you know, much like this conversation, you just talked about, you know, my career and, and some of the things uh, that have happened and my, how my faith, you know, changed my, the way I, I went about doing police work. And, um, it was a hit. And so later on, Jesse calls me up and he says, um, Hey, would you be interested in, in getting, a, well, I want to start a new radio show and three retired, you know, police officers to, called Jesus 911. So I went back to adoration. I said, Lord, what were you thinking? I wasn't, uh, I'm not, I'm not cut out for, for, uh, radio it was really way um out of my comfort zone out of my element and and so i am sitting there in adoration and i get i keep i keep hearing exodus 4 exodus 4 so pulled up my bible and looked up exodus 4 and it was moses is telling the lord i can't go tell pharaoh uh you know to to let my people go i i'm slow of speech you know but he stuttered you know i go that's me and uh, so it was, I thought, wow, that, that was crazy. You know, that, that, that our Lord was, would put that into my, into my heart, my mind. So I went back to Jesse and I said, okay. Um, you know, but uh, again, it was, man, it was a, a learning experience and just, uh, he, it was good to have somebody that, you know, could coach me and just, uh, just say, Hey, if you're just having a conversation with me, that's all you forget about the app. Right. Um, I don't. I don't know how, how you do it, but you know, that's what I do. I, I just forget about the, the outside noise and, and I'm just talking with Jesse. We're just communicating. And, uh, and it, I've come a long way. I know uh, I'm still not where I need to be, but you know, I'm just, I think what's appealing is that like, uh, cause initially we had Eddie Chavez. He was a retired seat, Highway patrol sergeant. And then he had some um, medical issues. And so Paul Clay came on board. He was a retired Lieutenant. And so we're just like blue collar guys. We're not, I'm, I don't have any theological uh, schooling. And, um, but I think that's the, I think that's where, where the average listener says, so oh, I could relate to him because he's just like me, you know, I'm, I'm no different. I'm no better than anybody. Um, I just, you know, I try to be an example. I try to, to live, uh, the, you know, what I preach and, uh, and hopefully, you know, with God's graces and, you know, the prayers of, of the faithful praying for me, I, I could do that.
So, I, th- um, I think there's a real uh, a desire and a need for more Catholics to just just regular everyday Catholics for whatever their walk in life. You and as a police officer and 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 others as well, just to to tell their stories to people that. Because let's face it, not all of us, uh, well, I know for sure not myself, uh, not a professional podcaster, professional broadcaster by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, the Lord does, he does equip who he calls, right? And, and I think that, uh, you know, um, when it comes to the calling of, of sharing our faith and sharing the gospel and through these new sources of media and how we can reach people a lot quicker now than we could even 10 years ago. Um, boy, it's so important that we, we, we take advantage of those opportunities, take advantage of that grace to, to uh, use some of this technology that's uh, been used against us at People of Faith so much that we yeah. can use it as a force for good too. And uh, like I said, it's, it's definitely, a, I listen to it every day. I love it. It's, um, and I know a lot of people that, you know, we got to make a choice too of what we listen to. I know podcasts are so popular now, but, uh, you yeah. know, I used to be that guy. I grew up on a farm and I'd listen to sports radio for six hours a day in that tractor. Yeah, I hear right you. Now. But, you know, it's, uh, and I start, certainly love my sports too, but, uh, uh, you know, we have to have priorities too in, in what we listen to and, and uh, learning more about your faith and getting involved and being more active is, is so important. So I, I thank you, Ruben, for your example and uh, for what you're doing at uh, at Jesus 911 and, and the whole crew at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So we'll make sure we have that in the show notes for people that are interested in hearing your thank show. You. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for your time, Ruben. I, I hope that we can catch up to you again sometime in the future to talk about uh, things that really matter, and that's the faith and bringing souls to Christ. So thank you again, Ruben. Really appreciate You're welcome. Thank you for having me, David. Appreciate it, and I look forward to it the next time. Well, a huge thanks to Ruben Nava from Virgin Most Powerful Radio for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Go and follow his show that he co-hosts with Jesse Romero and Paul Clay at uh, Jesus 911. It's a great podcast, and to listen to all the content that Virgin Most Powerful Radio puts out, that's primarily what I listen to. Uh, There's so many great podcasts out there. It's hard to rank them all, but boy, if you're looking for a great podcast on spiritual warfare and how you can... um, improve and to strengthen your relationship with others and also with Jesus Christ and uh, living that sacramental life. Tune into that podcast. Thanks for listening to this podcast, the Catholic Connect podcast. So great to hear from so many of you. Drop me a line anytime. We're on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, Gab, Getter. Reach out to me anytime. Love hearing from you. And just like Ruben said, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And the best way we can do that my friends is to go to confession often at least three times every year every lent every advent and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin don't even spend a second of your life there thanks for listening to the podcast everyone god bless we'll chat with you very soon